called Prayer That Works. I hope that you have been keeping up with your prayer journals. If uh, you have not gotten a prayer journal and you need one, there's several at the back on the, on the uh, sound booth back there. So you can pick one up, take it home. Be keeping up with your prayers. If they've been answered, write them down. We, we want to know uh, what God is doing in the hearts and lives of his people. Amen? And uh, I just believe that, that God is going to touch some lives. He's doing some things. Uh, and so uh, looking forward to hearing those results. But we're continuing this series, and uh, I'm agreeing with you to receive the, air, the answers that God wants to give you. But today we want to look at the topic of persuasive prayer. Persuasive prayer. Now, I'll be in the book of Exodus. If you would like to turn in your Bibles, Exodus chapter 32, I'll be there in just a moment. And I want to begin this morning by setting up Moses' conversation with God. Now, if you've ever read the book of Exodus, um, you know that Moses had several conversations with God. Even in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, it's the whole, uh, basically everything in those books is, is, is uh, Moses communicating with God. But I want to look at one specific area, one specific place, and it's in Exodus 32. But about four months previous to this, Moses had led the Israelites out of Egypt And it seems from the moment that they were freed from slavery, the Israelites did nothing um, but complain. I mean, these were the most complaining bunch of people that I have ever read about or seen. Uh, And uh, I'm telling you, man, they they just complained about everything. You know, they were they were they were slaves in Egypt. They were. Uh, uh, they couldn't do what they wanted to do. They were told what they could do. They were told when to eat, told when to sleep, told when to, to, to work because they didn't have any of their choices of their own. But God sent Moses to go in and take these people, Moses' people, out of Egypt and he's wanting to move them. He says, I got a land that I'm preparing for you and I want you to move these people out. So they start on this journey you know, and I'm not going to go through the ten plagues that happened to get Pharaoh to finally say, go for it. And then, of course, Pharaoh still didn't quit. He followed them. The Red Sea, and then, I don't know if you remember the part where the, the Israelites are complaining and saying, what, God brought us all this way just to let us die here in the wilderness, you know? And then they're going on. They, they didn't like the, the, the food that God sent them, the manna that they got all the time. We want something else to eat. And so then God brought them quail, and then they didn't like the water situation, and so, of course, you know, they got water, and I mean, on and on and on. I mean, these people are just complaining all the time, and so God's getting ready to uh, uh, bring them some, uh, um, at the, get to Mount Oreb, Horeb, and they saw the power of God displayed in lightning and thunder and smoke and and they heard the voice of God, and as he spoke, declaring the Ten Commandments, and they basically told Moses, said, um, yeah, we ain't going up there. We ain't going to talk to this guy. <laughs> I mean, this guy is, he's pretty, he's, he's pretty intense. Uh, we just, we really don't want to listen to him anymore. That's basically the essence. You can see in Exodus twenty nineteen, Moses said, speak to us yourself, and we will listen, but do not, uh, do not have God speak to us, or we will die. That was their reply to Moses. And uh, so, but ever since they left Egypt, the Israelites, I mean, they'd done nothing but complain and grumble. And finally, 
while Moses is up on the mountaintop with, all his, with this all-powerful God, the Israelites decide that they're bored. You ever have those kids that say, I'm bored. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, your kids have every device that you could possibly think of at their disposal right now. They can get on and watch any video they want, whether it's on YouTube or a movie. I remember if we wanted to watch a movie when I was a kid, we had to go down to the video store. Y'all remember the video stores? They just closed the, the uh, or they're getting ready to close the last remaining video rental store here in Fort Smith. You know, I mean, this is some history happening here, you know, and uh, uh, I mean, no one, no one rent, no one has to rent anything anymore. You've got Netflix and, and you've got uh, uh, Hulu and Disney Plus and there's, you know, what, HBO Max and uh, uh, what's the, Peacock and you got all of these streaming channels. Then there's, that's the pay for, that's the ones you pay for. Then there's free ones, you know. Roku has their own uh, free one. Was it Tubi? T-U-B-I? I mean, you can watch any program you want pretty much at your disposal. And you hear the kids say, I'm bored. Really? Go play a video game or something, you know? <laughs> Go play a board game, whatever. Go outside. You know, it's a beautiful day. Go outside and play. And, uh, and, and so that's what they were basically telling uh, Aaron. Aaron's down there with them, and, they're, and Moses is up on the mountain. He's hearing from God. He's praying to God, talking to God. And they're down here. They're going, man, we're bored. We need something to do. So they talk Aaron into making a golden calf for them to worship. And this was in spite of the fact that this was a direct violation of the second commandment. <laughs> If, I don't know if you remember the Ten Commandments, but, you know, the second one in there is don't have no other gods before me. And here they are, they're, they're breaking this commandment. And so the Israelites, they have been nothing but trouble ever since God freed them from their chains. And now it appears that God has had enough. You ever had enough with your kids? Come on. You know what I'm talking about, right? Am I the only one that's just had enough and, like, if you say one more thing about this, then I'm grounding you for life and you'll never come out of your room. And I'm going to take everything and I'm going to give it all to charity. Anybody ever said that? I'm telling you, man, you just get to where you just had enough. I'll show you bored, you know. I'll show you what bored looks like. But God had had enough. I mean, he was done with these people. And he was just like, man... And then look at what he says in Exodus chapter 32. Look at verse 7. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down because your people, like how he puts that, your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Verse 9. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. So did you catch that? I kind of brought it out. 
God tells Moses, I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth and build a new nation around you. He's done. God was finished. He was sick of it. He was tired of it. He was tired of this. And God was essentially done with these people. Moses knew that God was serious. God was not messing around. And Moses begins to talk to God. And this prayer was immediate and it was extremely intense. But the result of Moses' prayer was amazing because it changed the mind of God. God decided not to destroy the Israelites. God changed his mind. Now some of you may be thinking that this isn't supposed to happen. Look at what God tells us in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. He says, God is not human, that he should lie. Not a human being, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Now, some of you might even think that this is a problem. You know, we're taught that prayer is a power force. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. John 15, 7 says, If you remain in me and my, my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. All of our lives we have been told that we can change things through prayer. Amen? But in the back of our minds there is this nagging suspicion that our prayers don't, uh, that don't really uh, do all that much. Some of us think, well, you know, God is God and God's going to do what God's going to do. So we think, what difference does prayer make? And if God's going to do what he wants to do anyway, why bother? But this passage tells us why we should bother. Look at verse 10 again. God said, now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them, then I will make you into a great nation. Why bother to tell Moses to leave him alone? Why not just simply stretch forth his arm and wipe the Israelites off the face of the earth and then tell Moses what was going to happen next? You ever heard people say, I'm just going to kill you or I'm I'm going to make you disappear and then tell God you died? I mean, that's basically, you know, That's basically where, this is where they're at. God is ready to get rid of them. What difference would it make whether or not Moses approved of this plan? Why is God trying to get permission from Moses? Let's look at it. It made a big difference. It makes a big difference. It makes a big difference because it looks like God is asking Moses for permission to do what he has decided to do. And here's why. God gave Moses, and I want you to listen to me very carefully. God gave Moses the authority. That's a key word there. God gave Moses the authority over the people of Israel. Remember how I told you how he described them? Verse 7, then the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. So when God sent Moses to go and get the Israelites out of Egypt, God gave Moses the authority over those people. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
God says these are going to be your people that you're going to bring out. You're going to be in charge of them. I'm placing you in authority over them, and I want you to minister and do the work over these people. God put Moses in charge. The people of Israel have been given to Moses. They were his area of influence. And while God does not want to destroy them, he asked, or why God does want to destroy them, uh, Moses, he asked Moses permission because that's a responsibility that God has given to him. Do you hear what I'm saying? He has placed that authority in Moses' hand, and so God is saying, look, I've given you the authority. This is what I want to do. And so Moses has authority because God gave it to him. And just like Moses, I want you to hear me. This is for you and I. Just like Moses, we have authority in prayer because God has given it to us. Do you hear what I'm saying? God has given us the authority. That is why Jesus said, Matthew 18, 19, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Mark eleven twenty four. Yes, I've read these. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Do you hear what I'm saying? You have the authority, John 15, 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We have been given the authority and we have been given permission to plead with God to alter his will to meet our needs and desires. That's what prayer is all about. And we've been given that privilege because we belong to him. Amen? So now let's look at the issue of changing God's mind. I want you to understand this. Moses did not presume to change God's mind. He didn't go in there saying, I'm going to change God's mind. I'm going to make sure that God does what I want to do. That's not what Moses did at all. He did not force his will on God. Even though he had a position of responsibility and he had a position of authority with Israel, he still prayed with an eye on what would be in God's will. Do you hear me? He was thinking, okay, what, do I, what I believe what God has spoken to me is his will, and then that's how he prayed. Knowing God's will, believing what God's will was, Moses began to pray. Now look at verse 11. And I'm going to read through 13. Exodus 32, verse 11. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Do you, hear, do you see what he's doing? He's bringing back the authority. He's saying, look, God, you gave me authority. You put, it was your will to bring them out of Egypt. Do you, do you see where I'm going with this? He said it was your will to bring them out of Egypt. And then look at verse 12. Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out? To kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth. 
Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Verse 13. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. You see, Moses appeals to the reasons why God would want to spare the nation. Moses knew what God's will was. And that's how Moses prayed. He's saying, God, listen to me for just a second. You brought these people. You gave them a promise. You gave a promise to your ancestors that you would build this great and powerful nation from them, through them. And you've brought them out. And so do you really want the Egyptians to say he brought them out of, set them free just to go and kill them? Just to go and destroy them? And he knows, because Moses knows what God's will is. He understands what God's will is. And so he's appealing to God and he's saying, look, these are the reasons why you you want to spare the nation. And even though Moses had a position of responsibility and authority with Israel, he still prayed with an eye on what would be in God's will. Think of it this way. I want you to understand this. Let me bring it to you in a a, uh, more... uh, uh, practical way here for us to understand when we look in scriptures we know that a husband has a position a position of authority and responsibility in the home the bible tells us in ephesians 5 23 for the husband is the head of the wife as christ is the head of the church his body of which he is the savior now some men take this passage as permission to do whatever they they uh please with their wives they believe they have a god-ordained mandate to run their household with an iron fist but such men are fools do you hear what i'm saying for god tells husbands that even when we're married to non-christian wives we are to treat our brides with special care first peter chapter 3 verse 7 says husbands in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. That verse is saying that if a husband who is the head of the house misuses his wife, God don't hear his prayers. Do you hear me? So here is my point. A husband has authority and responsibility in the home, but he is wise if he keeps an eye on what God's will is in his home. Otherwise, his prayers are hindered. Do you hear me? Likewise, we have authority in prayer. In prayer, Christians have permission to ask God to shape his will to our request. But we would be wise to always keep an eye on what God would desire. Do you understand me? That's why Jesus said in John 14, 14, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. In other words, pray with an eye on what would please Jesus, what would glorify his name. We are in this business of being Christians and serving Jesus to lift up his name, amen? We are not in this for our personal gain. It doesn't matter what we want. It doesn't matter what we think we need. All that matters is who God is and what God needs and what God wants. Amen? 
And we have to be about the Father's will. We have to be about the Father's plan. And we have, that's why it's important that we go and we pray and say, God, what is it you want me to do? What is it your will for my life? What is it your plan for my life? I need to serve you. I need to understand you. I need to know you. I need to know where you want me to go, what you want me to do, how you want me to say it, when you want me to say it. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's what God is asking of us. Look, look at verse 14 again. Exodus 32, 14. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. God does not change his mind the same way a human does. Do you hear me? He has no doubts or unsteady thoughts. He may honor the faith and prayers of his people by choosing a different course of action to accomplish his purposes. And in, in, in this way, he encourages his people to keep praying and believing. Amen? There are some people who believe in the authority of prayer, but they use that authority with the belief that they can somehow force God into altering his will to their desires. Again, I say it before and I'm going to say it again. It ain't about what you want. Do you hear me? It ain't about what you want. It's about what God wants, and that's what I want. That's what I want in my life. I want to do what the Father wants me to do. Are there times that I mess up? You bet. Are there times that I do things that's because I want to do it? Oh, yeah. You know what happens, though, when I do the things I want to do? I'm the most miserable person in the entire world. Because I'm out of God's will. And some people say, well, how do you know God's will? You know God's will by getting in his word and studying his word, by spending time with him and asking him, having a conversation with him, spending that time in prayer. It's so important that we do that, and he will speak to us, and he will talk to us. Go to verse uh, 30 in Exodus 32. Moses goes to the people, it says in verse 30, The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. And the Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go lead the people to the place I, ha I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. See, this is what God was telling Moses. You keep doing what I have instructed you to do. And when the time comes, I'm going to punish certain people for their sins. God said, basically, we have a course. We have a plan in place. Let's stick to the plan. You're listening. You're, you understand my will. You know my will. Let's keep doing that. And can I tell you that when we pray, when you and I pray, we can pray with confidence. Amen? 
we can come boldly before God with the knowledge that we have the authority to, to petition Him. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. You see, when we pray, we're entering the presence of God with our request. You know, we talked last, last week, I almost said last year, <laughs> we talked last week about how when we pray, there's a battle that starts raging. The battle that starts going on. And can, can I tell you that you got to understand that when we pray, we're entering the presence of God with confidence. Because we know that God is going to hear our cries. And He's going to meet our needs. He's going to minister to us. He's going to answer our prayers. There's something amazing and powerful about praying amen there's something and we can boldly go before the throne room of god and when we understand and know god's will we know that god is going to answer us amen. he's going to provide for us amen. he's going to show us all things and do all things for us i want to close with this one last little story in 1540 luther martin luther's good friend and assistant Frederick Myconius, he became sick and was expected to die within a short time. From his bed, he wrote a tender farewell letter to Luther. And when Luther received the message, he immediately sent back a reply. And this is what Luther said. I command thee in the name of God to live because I still have need of thee in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that thou art dead, but will permit thee to survive by me. For this I am praying, because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Myconius had already lost the ability to speak when Luther's reply came, but he soon recovered. He lives six more years, and he died two months after Luther did. Can I just say, God hears our prayers. He answers our prayers. And it's so important that we pray. Amen? It's so important. And it's so important that we go boldly through the, to the throne of God. There's nothing wrong with praying, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my Lord, I pray my soul, my Lord to keep. If I should die before I wake, oh, no, I messed it up, didn't I? I pray my Lord, my soul to take. It's been too long since I said that prayer, y'all. Maybe I should pray that one more often, right? It's okay to say those prayers, but we need to think about what we're saying, right? Think about what, what the meaning of it is. Sometimes I think we get so wrapped up and caught up in, in saying words that we don't think about what we're actually saying to the Father. And the truth is, Bible says that we can go boldly to the throne. We can't go, well, you know, God, if, if you want to do this, can
Can I tell you, if you understand God's will, if you know God's will, God is ready to do it. He's ready to move on your behalf. And we can go boldly to that throne and we can say, God, I know what it says in your word. Your word says that by your stripes I am healed. And today I believe and I stand on that word and know that I am healed in your name. And we can go boldly to the throne of God. And we can understand and know that God has something great for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Can we pray this morning? Lord, we just come to you right now. And we just thank you for this time that we have been here in your house. God, I pray for every person that's here, God. Maybe someone has come this morning struggling. Struggling with prayer time. Maybe they just, maybe their faith has wavered and they don't think that you want to meet their needs. That Maybe they've been coming to you and asking you for something and they just feel like it's not, not going anywhere. It's not, they're not receiving an answer. God, I pray for every person here, God, that they would go boldly. To your throne. God, touch their hearts, touch their minds, let them know that you are here to meet their needs, that you are here to listen to, to their voices, God, that you want to, to minister to them, that you want to answer their prayers in your will. And God, I pray for every person here to receive this today, to receive this word today. God, I pray that they take this word and they use it to go and fulfill what you are calling them to do. Whatever your will be done, God, I pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Touch the hearts and lives of every person here. And God, I give you praise and I give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to take a moment. I want to, before we're going, we'll take up an offer here in just a moment. But I want to remind you that we are still, we are giving uh, to the Kindle Fires for the Indian Bible College studies. And uh, make a note that this money will need to be turned in by the end of October if you're planning on doing this. We're committing to 30 of these. They're $100 each. And this will be basically every student that receives this they will have all of their books, all of their studies that they need to complete their, their Bible course in India. And uh, it's going to help them and uh, minister to them. And we want to help provide these. Uh, last year, if you remember, we helped dig wells in Africa. And so this is our, this is our project for Speed to Life this year is we want to help provide these fire Bibles. I mean, not fire Bibles, these, uh, these Kindle fires uh, with all of, their, uh, all of their books on them. And, uh, I mean, wouldn't that not be amazing to have a device? You don't have to carry. If you've ever carried around textbooks, especially college textbooks, man, those things are big. If you've ever carried around textbooks, you know that they're very heavy, and these students will just have one device that will have everything on it for them that they'll be able to go to Bible school, and we want to help them do that if you'd like to give. You can just mark it Speed the Light, or you can mark it STL, however you want to do it. Um, 
Our ushers will be at the back of the service. You can put your offering in there. There is also a box on the wall out in the foyer uh, that is secure. We have to have a key to get in there, and you can, uh, you can actually drop your uh, uh, offering in there as well. And then also you can give online. Let me uh, make a couple of more announcements real quick, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. The first thing I, I want you to um, know is we have created a merchandise page on our website. And um, you can actually purchase T-shirts. There's some polos. There's a sweatshirt. There's like a little windbreaker rain type um, jacket on there that has embroidered on the, up here it has the church logo and stuff. And you can represent our church when you wear these items. Let me explain something about this, this uh, site. It is a um, pay-as-you-go or, or I mean a, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll create it once you buy it. Does that make sense? So the church has no overhead with this. So basically, if you want an item, you go online, you make an order, and then they make it as you order it. So there is no cost to us up front. And so anything that, that you purchase, so a lot of times some of that merchandise may be a little more than what we could have possibly sold it the the, the good thing for us as a church is there's no cost to us up front. We don't have to buy, you know, 15, 20, 50 shirts, whatever it is, and then hopefully sell all of them. Uh, this way, it's just if you want one, you go on there, you purchase it, and then they will ship it to your house. It, you know, it'll come directly to you and everything. And so there are some items there. We will be adding some items as well, so you can check that throughout so if there's not anything on there that you like right now, there might be something at another time. Right now, we are getting ready here in two months. I know it, two months, October's coming, right? Uh, our fi annual fishing derby is coming. And so uh, if you would like to help participate in that, uh, we, have, we have long sleeve shirts, t-shirts, and kids shirts on that site for our fishing derby that has the, the uh, hooked on fishing uh, fish and Derby uh, on the shirt and anything that you purchase uh, from that uh, we can, it can help us uh, with anything that we might need for that so if you would uh, like a Fish and Derby shirt those are on there now and you can go and uh, buy those now it does take about a week or two uh, for the uh, uh, shirts to come in to be shipped to you so um, be sure to Give yourself plenty of time in order to have that shirt by the Fishing Derby. Hopefully, by next Sunday, I will have some uh, samples of those items, and you can take a look at them and uh, see if you would like to get one. Um, youth is tonight at 6 o'clock. And then also, we have a special event coming up. I know uh, we try to do two Bring a Friend events every year we try to get in the and then other times we have special services that we encourage you to bring people with you like easter and christmas and and all those other special times the next one that we have we're doing a bring a friend event september 11th so that's just what three weeks away i think and we want you to bring a friend and we want you to come representing your favorite sports team. It could be the Arkansas Razorbacks. It could be 
uh, a football, uh, a professional team, a baseball team, basketball, whatever you want to wear. But you come representing your team with some kind of shirt or jersey or something and, uh, and come representing that team that day. And then we're going to have a photo booth for you to get your picture made with your friends uh, before and after service. We'll have our normal service that day as well. And then after service, we're going to have a tailgate party in the back. And so we want you to bring your friends. I'm going to go get some of those nice big hot dogs, you know, those, those good beef franks that you can get. And uh, not the little puny hot dogs. We're going to get the good big hot dogs, okay? And, uh, and so we're going to have some hot dogs and the, some chips and some, uh, I think there's some uh, pasta salad or something. And, and so and we're going to provide all that for you. And so um, we would love for you to stay here and be a part of that. So that's September 11th. Make plans to do that. I have one more announcement. Everybody say good. <laughs> Here's my last announcement, and then we're going to pray over the offering. Uh, next Friday, or this coming Friday, I guess, I think that's the 26th, thank you, 26th, at, f- what time do they need to, 4, 4 o'clock, if you can help us, we're going to be feeding uh, Hope Campus here in town, and so we need your help. Uh, we will take the supplies and we'll either be cooking some here and going there or cooking it all there. I can't, so you can get with Pastor David and he can let you know what we're going to be doing. And uh, so, but we're doing this and we need your help if you can help us. And uh, we need some people serving, we need some people possibly cooking. And so uh, if you can be a part of that, we'll, we'll, uh, he can give you a time to meet. We can get that out. I can send out a text to whoever. Uh, and so we can make sure that if you can help, we'd love to have you come help that day. We should be done probably, I'd say, by 7, 8, something like that. And uh, so uh, it, it, it won't be too long of a, a day. Well, I think there's two feedings, I believe. We feed one group early and then a, another group. Is that not I believe that's correct. So, uh, But anyway, if you can help with that, if you please see uh, Pastor David Lawson, and he can uh, help you with that. And uh, we, need, we need help. So, all right. Um, can we stand? I'm done, y'all. You know, and thank goodness he talked a lot. That was a lot of announcements. Hey, you got to let the people know what's going on, right? So, David Cox, would you please pray over this offering? Amen. Y'all be blessed. I'll see you Wednesday night. Uh, The offering's at the back.